0: Evening, folks. Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. It is May 16th, 2022, and this is episode 113 of the workshop podcast. We've done this 113 times already, it's kind of exciting. So, this is taking the place of last week's Saturday episode since I didn't, uh, since things got rearranged with uh, Angry Americans' interview, which will be this Friday. So I thought, hey, I need to get you guys a third episode for last week, so why not do it this week? So here we are. Oh, we got Nate Nate LeMaster in here tonight. I saw Joe Upper Bucks earlier. So anyway, uh, we are tonight. It's going to be a good one. I always love my top movie list episodes. It's always fun putting together uh, some interesting, uh, you know, facts and trivia and all that stuff. So we got some good stuff for you real quick. We're going to dive in in a minute. Tonight we're going to talk about... My top six guilty pleasure Netflix shit hits the fan movies. What a mouthful. Say that a bunch of times. But of course, before we do that, let's get the announcements out of the way. This one's really exciting. So I reached out to a few brands that I would be willing to support. Brands that I've used for a while. And I am now officially an affiliate for Coast Flashlights. They've got a big goodie package coming out for me. A bunch of flashlights to review. So you guys will see a couple of flashlight videos coming up soon. But their headlamp has been the one that I have used and recommended for a couple of years now. so I'm rather excited. Uh, gonna quite excited to be able to try out some of their gear that I otherwise might not be able to spend my own money on at the time. So kind of exciting, real excited actually. And I keep talking about it, but I am excited as well about Angry American coming on Friday this week, 12 noon Mountain time 2 pm. Eastern time. It's gonna be an awesome interview. I just finished the going home series, um, for the second time through just finished it yesterday. I believe it was and started the little mini series, novella, whatever you want to call it, requ- Charlie's Requiem, something like that. It's not too bad either, but I'm rather excited about uh, picking his brain about it. Uh, Nate says I use their headlamps at night feeding rabbits as well. They just make a really good product for the price, but you know whenever i reach out to a company like that i always make sure they know that it'll be an honest and fair review and if they want to send me stuff great anyway i'm excited so and uh number three if you guys have any show ideas you know i've been thinking not that i need more to do or you know different times especially in the summer my schedule gets screwed up a little bit so if you guys have an idea you're like hey tim i'd like to do a show on this or i'd like to come on and chat with you about this Send it along. That's where Carrie's uh, idea last week for the Ferengi rules of acquisition came from. So, absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. So, yeah, reach out to me and who knows? Sometimes there's just an opening or a cancellation, and I'd love to slide you in, or maybe we'll just do an extra episode. Liberty Meat Solutions, yo, back to you as well. All right. Today's tool, this is a good one DeWalt Power Stack. You guys have heard me talk about that battery before. I friggin love it. Anyway, half price on Amazon today, regular 159 on for 79.94 links in the description and the pin comment here. And since this is replacing the Saturday episode, I figured we would do our weekly this week in the workshop segment, just to fill you in on what I've been up to. So I started the covered deck. So thanks to Ken Esh, you know, (laughs) I've been picking his brain. You guys probably heard him mention before that he did the Taj Mahaler at Nicole's place. So I'm building 16 to 24 covering on my deck and I've been picking his brain a ton because I'm basically copying his design. So I got my six uprights in place yesterday. Awesome. Really exciting. Uh, for any of my fellow Albertans, I found probably the best price on junk silver that you're going to find anywhere from what I can tell. It's called some Beck's silver and gold or Beck's auction, something It's in the West Edmonton mall, but they've got like four stores in Edmonton and they sell the junk silver. Uh, so like, you know, Canadian dimes, uh, quarters, 50 cent pieces, that kind of stuff. They have a great big bin of them. They sell them for spot plus 14%, which is like, yeah, that is, that's a really good price. So I got a couple hundred dollars worth of dimes the other day. And yeah, just, Anyway, for any of my Albertans or somebody in the area, that's been the best price I can find anywhere. Because you guys know I've always talked about silver and gold bull. They have the best price on silver ounces in Canada that I've been able to find. But this is the best price on silver, period. Uh, So we spent the weekend in the city. And for us, the city is Edmonton. And I got to pat myself on the back because I spent the entire weekend up there and stuck to my strict keto. So I'm heading in the right direction again, guys. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, yeah, mentioned to you before that I am, that I was asked to run for town council. We had a um, somebody who backed out or quit or resigned or whatever. So they're doing a by-election. Got my paperwork in today. It's official. Uh, basically, only have a week to campaign. Not that I'm really going to campaign, and I know. You're like, Tim, but you're a voluntarist, you're an anarchist, how can you do that? Hey, Filipino nomad, how are you? Well, the only place that I figure a person can ever affect any change is local government. So I'm going to give it a go. That's all I can say. We'll see. And maybe maybe I'll, you know, if if I even get elected, maybe I'll finish up and be absolutely disenfranchised and be like, "Ah, I wasted my time. But I've got a passion for it. I would love to see uh, some rules removed and some freedoms restored in our town. I really would like to see, you know, rabbits and chickens and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. So we'll just see, right? Uh, Letty says, I almost picked up some Canadian silver coins at the gun show Saturday, but we went to the knife dealer instead. I'm hoping the coin man will be at this weekend show. One thing about Canadian silver, anything pre-1965 is only 80% silver. So just make sure when you're buying it, that they're not charging you for the full weight. They're only charging you for 80% of it because the other, the other 20, of course, you know, American silver is 95% and Canadians 80. So just make sure you pay attention to that. Um, yeah, this, uh, just got a new shortwave radio in the mail today. Something I can't remember who recommended it, but I heard it on a podcast and they said it was the best one that they had seen. Had to wait a while because I had to order it from Amazon.com, which is your guys' American Amazon. So it just took a little while to get here. i was surprised it even showed up because it had a battery in it. And a lot of times that stuff won't get across the border, but I have it. I'm going to do some testing. You'll see some video on it eventually, almost guaranteed. And one last thing, I started testing. You guys saw I brought home some Harbor Freight tools. Rather excited about those. And I started testing... I don't know what you want to call it, the dirt devil, the little miniature handheld vacuum. And it is, it's really good. I'm surprised. I'm definitely going to do a review on it down the road. I'm glad I brought it home. It's not a replacement for a shop vac, but it's certainly a great little detailing vacuum cleaner for automotive. And Nate, you're going to shoot me, but I cannot remember what the maker model of that is. I will post a picture on Instagram later. I snapped one just to, yeah, so that I'd remember to, post it for you. So can't remember what the shortwave is, but I'll get the info to you. Hey, Rachel Brown, just won her pool game and finish up with you guys right on. That's a good evening. Okay. So everybody came for the movie list. If Before I get into it, if anybody has a guilty pleasure Netflix shit hits the fan movie, throw it in the comments. We'll see if it makes my list. Um, these were all actually Netflix exclusives. Uh, you know, Netflix originals, whatever. So I just, I like putting those kind of constraints on these lists. It's kind of a fun little uh, exercise. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. So there's six on here. <laughs> they are, Oh, Oh, look, my beautiful wife is listening. 2012. Yes. <laughs> She's be Yeah, Nate's says bird box. Yep. That's on the list. And Becky and I have a uh, an incredible inside joke where we joke we hit there's certain movies that no matter when they're playing we have to watch them can't flip by them and I've joked with Becky since 2012 came out that that is one of those movies that she cannot if it's there if she sees it we have to watch it just I don't know it's fun it's absolute popcorn fare Uh, it's certainly better than uh, a lot of the other disaster movies that are out there but yeah that's a good one too all right so. Let's bring this up. So we're going to go in reverse order. A Book of Eli it was really enjoyable, Liberty. And I'm going to talk about that one down the road because that one's got to be on some kind of, I don't know, classic or, yeah, I'm not sure, what, but I really enjoyed that one. And Becky just rewatched it too, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Joe says Red Dawn. Yes, we will do Red Dawn. Sorry if I just hollered there, guys. I get so excited about Wolverines, at least the old one. We pretend like the new one was just... Yeah, no, it doesn't exist, right? Absolutely. (laughs) But yes, Red Dawn's great. I actually did one, Joe, a little while ago on 80s post-apocalyptic movies. We talked about Red Dawn, but I can guarantee you I'll revisit Red Dawn again, because how can you not love that movie? All right. So, oh, and these movies are in... uh, They're in reverse order by how much I like them. So it's the worst one first. These are all movies that... (laughs) Chris says, I don't TV. That's totally fine. Um, I used to say I don't do Windows because, you know, I was thinking about becoming a Mac guy for computers, but uh, here I am on a Windows computer. All right, so let's bring it up. Share screen, Tim. Hang on one second. Bring right there. See if we can do it. All right, so number six, and it was a toss-up. Hey, Mertenson family, how are you? So it is. it was a toss-up to decide which of the six Netflix post-apocalyptic shit hit the fan movies was the worst, but I decided on The Silence. Now, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and don't watch it. I mean, no, I'm just, I'm kind of kidding. But again, these are guilty pleasures. These are never going to win any, well, most of them won't win any Academy Awards. My top two movies on here are really, really good movies that I really love. The other ones are just kind of somewhere in between. Uh, Liberty Meat Solution says the Hunger Games series. I got to talk about that. Sometime, uh, my kids and Becky really love that series, and I like the first movie quite a bit. So, The Silence, uh, it is PG 13, it was released in April 2019, and it stars Stanley Tucci. That's him there looking up with a concerned look on his face at these post apocalyptic pterodactyl slash bats. And his daughter is a Emma Watson kind of lookalike. That so, here, tell me if you've heard this story before End of the World scenario, monsters that show up when there's sound. Anytime there's sound, they're attracted. He has a daughter who has um, who has lost her hearing, and so they communicate through uh, sign language. Anybody heard that story before? Because this is a, a dollar store version of The Quiet Place. That is the problem. It, uh, it really doesn't try to be anything more than that. It has a grand total of 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, It's a fun movie. Don't get me wrong. It's probably, I probably should have had it at number five and not number six, but it was based on a book called The Silence by Tim Lebanon. And yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Liberty all day says, I just saw that film with John Krasinski. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, yeah. Even a bit of a Riddick knockoff. You're absolutely right there, Liberty. We Oh, this is going to get confusing. I get Liberty meat solutions and Liberty all day. So I'll try to keep you guys separate. I'm just kidding. doesn't matter to me, but yeah. So (laughs) Nate says, can't be worse than pitch black with Vin Diesel. Well, you know, I didn't love that movie, but the sequels, Oh, they were hot dog shit. They were bad, bad, bad. But the crazy thing is the book this was based on actually came out before a quiet place. So they were two movies in production at the same time so basically yeah and Pitch Black really wasn't that bad it was a low budget film it was in the heyday of Vin Diesel you know when he did what Triple X and the first Fast and the Furious he had two or three other ones in there that were pretty good and then all of a sudden everybody's like really Vin Diesel but the silence is basically uh Stanley Tucci is a man who lacks balls for a better term. And he has, I can't remember if it's a family friend or his brother that comes to visit. And he's kind of like, you know, the gun toting survivalist type guy. And all this shit happens while he's there. And Stanley Tucci's like, well, let's just sit and see what happens. We got nothing better to do, you know, and he's scared, doesn't want to take the step. And so the brother's like, or it's brother. Anyway, the friend is like, come on, look, we got to get out of here. We got to leave. So that's what they do. It's like a road trip movie, like so many of these movies. And they try to go along and do their thing. Now. I say the biggest problem with this movie is it breaks the rule of well, we're going to talk about it a little bit further down, but you ever hear the old adage that um, the monster you don't see is scarier than the monster you do. Well, that is definitely the case with this one. <laughs> so bad. The CGI looks like something was done on a 1995 windows computer. The, the monsters aren't scary. There's very little tension in the movie. Um, Spoiler alert, so if you're going to watch this, the only scene that I really enjoyed out of the entire movie was when the brother slash best friend, whatever he was there, the uncle, uh, basically sacrificed himself uh, to get the family safe. It was great, and yeah, that was probably the only thing (laughs) worth much at all. Um, But beyond that, I mean, if you want to see a movie that does this premise a hundred times better go and watch M night Shyamalan's signs. In my opinion, that is his best film. It is as close to a modern day Hitchcock classic as you can get. Um, Hitchcock himself said, see if I can get the quote right. He said, there's no fear in how does he put it? Oh man. Basically the fear is in the lead up to it. Once something actually happens, you lose the fear and uh so basically that's what this is they show the monsters constantly they look like shit. it takes you out of the suspension of disbelief and you're like eh, yeah i don't get it uh, nate says bad cgi like cloverfield yeah i would say um yeah it wasn't real good let's put it that way but yeah so signs is one of my favorite i got to do a i don't even know how i could include that on the list but uh, i see liberty meat Solutions says add tremors yeah um fred ward uh, the guy that played Bert just passed away I uh, was you know kind of sad about that I really enjoyed him I always wanted to see him and Kevin Bacon do another follow-up to that uh, never happened but yeah we will do I might have to do an entire like rewatch review of Tremors because to me that is the best horror comedy end of the world film period and Nate I I love you brother but we, I will respectfully disagree. The village wasn't bad. I went and watched it in theaters, but in my mind, that was where Shyamalan started going downhill a little. But that's okay. I like the village. What came after the village wasn't so good. Um, yeah. And this one, anyway, w- w- we'll move on from that. But the silence, or, yeah, the silence just didn't cut it for me. It's worth watching if you've got anything else. If you've got nothing else to watch on Netflix and you're like, ah, I want a little, just a little touch of prepper porn, then you know, watch it and see if you like it. But there's five more movies on this list that could, uh, that'll probably be better that you could better spend your time on. So number six, The Silence from Netflix. Number five. Oops. Nope. Sorry. Back up, Tim. That's the wrong. I'm incomplete. So there we are. Songbird. This is number five. And so if you haven't seen this movie, once again, you don't need to watch it. Let's just put it that way. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that good. Uh, Liberty meat solution says, wasn't there a Shama Shama, Lama, Shama movie like the mist that uh, you don't see the monsters until the end. So I am wondering if, um, now you could be mean, you, you might be talking about the happening. That is the one where it's in the plants in the flowers. That was his R rated horror movie and it was okay but if you're talking about the monsters till the end i'm thinking that was signs because they did such a good job uh hiding that's what i loved about that film because they didn't have a ton of money and the cgi wasn't great and so Shyamalan did an excellent job of building suspense, waiting to see what those aliens looked like. And then you get that little footage from Mexico and it's grainy and it's a birthday party celebration and it's on like a little handy cam. And all you see is this friggin' alien walking by and it's in the distance. And I I still get chills thinking about that scene. That's one of the best scenes in any movie, uh, any horror movie I've ever seen. I loved it. And that, that shows that PG-13 horror can work. Hey, Ted McDonald and Becky, my beautiful wife says, no, that movie was shit. And she is absolutely right. This movie. So on further introspection, I almost think this should have been the worst movie on my list. You really, the, okay. So the reason, yeah, it should have probably been six instead of five. At least Stanley Tucci's The Silence was entertaining. It was so bad. It was entertaining. I think what happened with Songbird here was so bad. It was, it was so bad because it was boring. You just didn't care about it. The characters were stupid. The ending made no sense. Every one of the characters made every single bad decision you could possibly, possibly make, and you're like, really? So let me tell you the premise of this movie. But first, rated PG-13, came out as a Christmas 2020 release on Netflix, and it has a whopping 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) That's horrible. Now, it does have a lot of recognizable actors in it. It's got Alexandra Dadrio or whatever. She's from San Andreas and Baywatch. She's not typically, I don't want to be mean, but she's not typically put in movies for her acting prowess. Let's just leave it at that. Bradley Whitford, he is a great character actor. He plays the father in Get Out, and he also plays the, one of the guys that's pushing the buttons in Cabin in the Woods. He's just great. And Craig Robinson from Hot Tub Time Machine and Pineapple Express, and of course The Office, he cracks me up. He's really good. So this movie, let yeah, let me tell you the premise of this so that I can save you from ever having to watch it. But four years into a lockdown, COVID-23 has mutated with over a 50% fatality rate. People are locked in. It's a police state. Yeah, you think, oh, that sounds exciting. Well, not really. This film, this movie was filmed in two and a half weeks at the beginning of the pandemic. It was written and filmed all during that time. And it absolutely shows it, it. It hit you over the head. Oh, my daughter Grace is in here too. She loves songbirds. So now she's going to hate all the bad stuff I got to say about it, but it just didn't do it for me. We were excited. Becky and I both were like, Oh, coming out at Christmas, it's going to be post-apocalyptic or at least a uh, shit hits the fan movie. And it just pooh, Yeah. It, 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 it hit you over the head with the rich versus poor kind of, you know, politics and all of that. And it talked about government overreach. There was just so much in it. It didn't know what it was trying to be. And when it really came down to it, it was just nothing. And I think the worst thing you can say about a movie, like you can say a movie is bad, but it's entertaining. But when you say a movie's bad because it's boring, that's what this was. And I remember yeah, the ending where I, I don't care. I, it, you know, if you're going to watch it, plug your ears for a minute, but well, well, the two of them are driving off, to who knows where on a friggin' motorcycle. You're just like, really? They the the protagonists in this movie had to have been as absolutely selfish as any protagonist I've ever seen. You're supposed to like them, and they're the most unlikable people that you're gonna find. It yeah, it was just um. It was not a good film at all. It (laughs) Another sign that it was a bad movie was it was originally supposed to be released theatrically, and then they sold it to Netflix and dumped it on video on demand and released it that way. And when that happens, you know you're in for, ah, you know what? My second best film on this list was also that case, so it doesn't always mean it's going to be bad. This movie had potential. It just didn't live up to it. It was, you know, and of course, everybody was in quarantine. So almost all the scenes were filmed solo. So everything was like, you know, just up close shots of a person alone in an apartment because that's all they were doing at that time. And there was other movies that did it really well. I cannot remember the name of the movie. And if Becky's still in here, she might. But there's a movie that was filmed during quarantine where they do a seance over Zoom. And it was super effective. So just because somebody says, well, this was filmed during quarantine, isn't an excuse because good movies can be made during that time too. So yeah, let's move on from Songbird. I did not enjoy it. Not even a little bit. Number three. Have you guys seen this one? So this is a movie about, (laughs) I don't even know, some kind of unseen force that causes you to kill yourself. If you look at it and here's the deal, the most unrealistic thing in this movie is Sandra Bullock playing um, a 55 year old soon to be first mother. And I'm not trying to be mean about that. I love Sandra Bullock and a lot of movies from before, but her, her bow in this movie is 26 years, her junior. It just, that, and that's just the start. The movie is just, ah, just doesn't do it. It was a, I think it was probably Netflix's first big Christmas release movie, 2018, rated R, which was a big step for them as well. It even had 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. The problem was, is it felt like Quiet Place, but with blindfolds instead of, uh, you know, uh, being, you know, instead of having your hand, instead of what speak no evil, this is see no evil. And yes, Becky said that movie was called Host. So if you're looking for a really good film, go watch Host. That was awesome. It was again, it was a seance over. Zoom during quarantine, and it was scary as shit. I loved it. Really good. And uh yeah, so uh Grace, yeah, Grace says she also raised the boy that wasn't hers. Absolutely. And that part was good. We'll talk about that a little bit. So yeah, 64%. It stars Sandra Bullock and John Malkovich. If you guys, John Malkovich is one of those actors, it's like, uh, take him or leave him. You either really love him or you don't like him at all and he he was okay in this you know he was just so far so so the premise is far flung the movie <laughs> inspired the bird box challenge where uh, i can't even call millennials but just stupid people for internet cred were videotaping themselves driving with a uh, blindfold on so <laughs> yeah you know um basically darwin award waiting to happen the movie's told through flashbacks. It's okay. You know, it, it, the movie kind of opens with her and the two kids. I can't remember if they're five or eight at the time. So it happens a few few years after whatever this unspoken apocalypse is. The opening is pretty good. But it definitely feels like the happening. That's that M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, his hard R where, where the poison was in the flowers. It has that kind of feel. It opens up real quick. It has, you know, a whole bunch of people killing themselves in really gruesome ways early on. And that's kind of the highlight of the movie. I think another thing that was kind of sad was they killed off Sarah Paulson in like the first five minutes. I really like her. She's a pretty good actress. And I mean, that was part of the story, but it was just, yeah, yeah, again, uh, it was watched 89 million times in the first four weeks of release. I don't know if that's good or bad, but they said it was the second highest Netflix movie ever. So that was kind of interesting. It was based on a novel called Bird Box as well. (laughs) But, uh, oh, and some people called it a cross between the road and the happening. I don't know. I I think that, uh, I, I think I enjoy the happening better, but the happening again is one of those movies that's so bad, it's good. You know, you got Mark Wahlberg that's completely overacting and just, oh yeah, it, it, it's become a bit of a, a cult classic at this point but bird box is just forgettable. When you're done you're like, "Oh, okay." I mean, again, it's a guilty pleasure. If you want to sit down and watch it, go for it. You're not going to miss anything by not watching it, but <laughs> Nate says everyone has to see that hot garbage for themselves. I'm thinking he's talking about The Happening, and if that's the case, you're absolutely right, my friend. It's definitely worth watching. It it is. It's in one of those so bad it's good categories. Now, Bird Box, absolutely great for a um how do you want to put it? Like, you know, if, if you got an evening to kill and you want to watch a movie and you're flipping through Netflix and you can't decide and you're like, I'd like an end of the world movie. This one won't disappoint. It, it's entertaining. It's absolutely. Oh yeah. Nate says bird box. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just okay. And yes, Liberty, the road was so friggin' good and the road is so good, but it's one of the movies I've only ever watched once because it literally put me in a funk afterwards. It was depressing. It was sad but it was so friggin good. I just I've never been able to bring myself to watch it again cuz it is a real depressing movie. Um yeah, so actually, I wrote this quote down on this one here. Hitchcock said, there is no terror in the bang, only the anticipation of it. And that's where this movie did better than The Silence. So they never show what is the How do you want to put it? They never show that the antagonist. So these unseen forces that are doing it, that's what's kind of scary is you can't see them, you don't know what they are, and the silence just throws it balls to the wall as soon as you get in there. They're like, Hey, check this out. Do you like our CGI pterodactyls? Because I didn't. And once you see it, you're like, Well, that's not scary. But in this, you know, there's always There's always um, leading up to it. You're like, oh, I've never, I don't know what it is. I don't know where these character, the what, what's causing it. So it is a little more full attention than that. I kind of enjoyed it. Like I said, it it definitely has some similarities to The Happening uh, because it's kind of this unseen force that's causing people to kill themselves. Uh, And I mean, it's a bit of a stretch to compare this to The Road, but apparently some critics did. I mean, The Road is a classic. I mean, this is like The Road as much as it's. you know, looking after your kids and going on a road trip in a post-apocalyptic situation. I mean, that is, that's kind of cliche. You'll see another movie on my list that's way better than this. That's basically that same story. So, I mean, that, that is one of those, um, plot devices they use a lot in these apocalyptic movies. So, you know, it's middle of the road, it's definitely, definitely better than Songbird and Silence, and it's definitely not as good as the next ones on my list for sure. Um, beyond that, I, you know, what else to say about this movie? Like I said, it's, it's a far-flung premise. It's enjoyable. There are some stretches in this movie that absolutely like, you're like, there's no way that they're going down these rapids and they manage to keep their damn blindfolds on. I don't care what you say. <laughs> but again it's it's an okay movie it's a good kind of sit down relax enjoy it and that's about it let's move on to something even better so hang on here we'll bring this up number there we are number four how it ends now this was um this was before Netflix started getting their movies rated through the MPAA so this is back just previous to that this was when they were starting to, they said, like, this one was rated TV MA, so they hadn't got movie ratings on their movies yet. They were still treating them like television movies, so for what it's worth. Um, Now, I like this movie better than Bird Box. Um, It is, it feels like, if you've ever watched it, it honestly feels like almost all the prepper porn books that I've ever read, at least the kind of middle-of-the-road ones. Um, You know, going home, I would be kind of partial to. Uh, Hey, Rob, um, I have not seen Zenith, but um, now I'm going to have to, let's put that up on the screen. So I don't forget if anybody else has seen Zenith, let me know, because I'm always looking for a good recommendation. So how it ends, like I said, is just typical prepper porn fiction. And I, I had to look it up. I figured it must've been based on some sort of prepper porn book, but it wasn't, it was an original script, which was kind of cool. Uh, Becky says, uh, this was the worst one yet. The only movie where two people did everything possible to get in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I got to say Forrest Whitaker. Forrest I like him, you know, even if he, uh, I don't know. Some people like him. Some people don't the last, uh, the last King of Scotland, he was awesome in. He was, he was, um, slumming it in this movie. The script was not good enough for him, but, uh, Oh, Rob says, uh, people take expired meds to feel pain. That sounds interesting. Off to check it out. Uh, so how it ends came out July, 2018 rated TV M a and it has a whopping 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, before we go too much further, I got to say, I'm pretty sure Becky will not agree with my next choice, and that's okay. But I think she'll agree with my top choice on this one. So we'll see. It's fun having her in here. <laughs> so this one does not explain what causes the apocalypse. Now, tell me if this doesn't sound like a prepper porn novel. Uh, the guy, Forrest Whitaker, is a couple thousand miles away from home. Holmes is in Seattle, he flies to Chicago to visit his in-laws and basically ask for, I don't know, permission to marry the daughter, whatever. Anyway. So he's there. The father hates him, basically kicks him out. The next morning, Forrest Whitaker answers the phone. It's his wife on the other line. And she's like, Hey honey, how are you? And then all of a sudden you hear, Oh my God, what is that? And some kind of loud noise and they're disconnected. And that's when the apocalypse starts. And so he's 2000 miles from home and he needs to get back to seattle so he has to go from chicago to seattle as the world crumbles around him sound familiar because it's pretty common in these (laughs) now it has roadblocks it has roving gangs it has first aid emergencies it has disposable disposing of dead bodies it has everything that you would expect in a you know so so audible end of the world kind of prepper porn fiction it's okay It's not bad. I did some digging because I wanted to find out where this script came from. And if you guys have never heard about The Blacklist, so The Blacklist is, I believe it's a top 10 list, or basically it's a list each year of the best unmade scripts in Hollywood. So it gets, you know, kicked around, people go through it. And this was on that in 2010. Yeah, it does sound like uh, going home, doesn't it, Nate? Except it's not quite as good. Uh, so what is the apocalypse? <laughs> Liberty Meat Solution says the day after tomorrow without ice. Ain't that the, uh, the truth? And there's so many of these type of movies, right? So cell phones don't work. Internet doesn't work. Um, there are earthquakes everywhere. What looks like a tsunami, fire in the sky, fire off to the distance. Uh, you know, some of the best guesses on the Internet were that it was basically a whole bunch of tactical nukes dropped all at once that caused an EMP and a bunch of other things except cars work. So I don't know, you know, whatever it is. So he spends the entire movie, you know, going badass, going hard, trying to get home to his wife. And um, again, the ending, (laughs) most of these, the ending really, really suffers on it. Uh, Cool little note. uh, I don't know if Martinson family is still in here or not, but this entire movie was filmed in Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is where, uh, basically the the same area where Martinson family lives. I had no idea about that. And I thought that was really, really cool. Um, beyond that. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, Forrest Whitaker plays a badass quite well. He, you know, he's okay. That's all. It was just, yeah, not bad with a tagline, like no one survives alone. It literally sounds like that. Right. Uh, Liberty all day says movie magic EMP, but the modern cars all work exactly. You know what do they call it? Plot armor. They needed they needed cars to work in order for him to get there. So hey, cars work exactly. Uh, Nate says there is a zombie rules whoops a zombie rules book that has the same premise where one of the characters goes from east coast to west coast to save his daughter. Off to check that out too. I'm always looking for good recommendations, uh, especially things that could be better. I think the biggest problem is. Um, And a lot of people have said this, but Netflix basically makes movies for the algorithm. And all of these movies came out within kind of a two-year window, where for whatever reason, obviously I think we know why, but people were really into end-of-the-world kind of films. And Netflix realized that if they made movies based on the the end-of-the-world, people would watch them. What a novel concept. The problem is, is that they didn't put any heart or soul or thought into so many of these movies. They were just churned out through the Netflix kind of machine and they're just, I don't know, it's, it's like eating, I don't know, a piece of vanilla cake. You eat it, you're kind of satisfied. At the end, you kind of forget about it. It's its the difference between just kind of a regular old cookie or cake and something made by a master baker. You know, you, these guys, you, you finish them up and hey, it was a snack and you're good and you move on. Um, oh, Nate says it was a 14 book series. I'll drop it in Telegram. Absolutely. Liberty Meat says Zombieland. One of my favorites, that was a, that was in one of my lists, previous episodes I did on uh, comedy, uh, post-apocalyptic movies, but I think I'm going to do a follow-up. Uh, I love the Zombieland rules for survival so much. I think I'm going to do an episode on those rules because they're a lot of fun. Uh, Liberty All Day says, I'll always take on a new series, Nate, once I finish the new 15-book series I just started. Absolutely. We always have time for that. But yeah, beyond that, it, it's an okay movie. Really? Uh, Yeah, Liberty All Day says Double Tap. Yeah. And what a great sequel title, too, right? So the next two movies are really the only two that I would have, that would have, that made it on my top 10 list for whatever respective year they were released. They're both really, really good films. And they're good films, even though they're end of the world films, they're just all around well made. So let's move on to number two. Where are we? Now, has anybody seen this? Now, this is going to be the one that some people are going to be like, oh my God, I hate that film. And then other people are going to be like, that was such a good film. So, uh, yeah, uh, Liberty Meat says cardio. Ab- yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> and Nate says zombie rules could almost double as zombie land, but they aren't related. And see, I told you Becky wouldn't like this movie, and that's totally fine. So, this is a horror science fiction film. Interesting kind of story behind it. But it was released February 2018, rated R. Now, and see, Becky said it sucked. That's okay. Now, the critics liked it. It was certified fresh at 88%. Um, I'm not sure why it wasn't more popular. I mean, I think I know why, and we'll talk about this a little bit, but it had a, a an okay cast. I mean, Natalie Portman is who she is. She's recognizable. It had uh, Tessa, what is her, Tessa Thompson, Jennifer Jason Lee. I think Tessa Thompson's probably the best actress in the film, but it was, um, it was okay. So I, I mean, as far as what a lot of people said, yeah. And Becky says, if Natalie Portman wasn't in it, I get it. Yeah. She's definitely not the greatest actress in the world, but I like this. It was written and directed by Alex Garland. He also wrote the novel, the beach, which the Leonardo DiCaprio movie was based on kind of a bit of a creepy one. He also wrote probably my all time favorite zombie movie, 28 days later. What else did he write? Uh, Oh, and Ex Machina. So have you ever seen the movie Ex Machina or Machina, however you want to pronounce it? He wrote that as well, wrote and directed that one. He has a real interesting eye for film. Definitely things are different. Uh, You know, he makes things look different. He creates a world that you wouldn't necessarily ever see, even in the worst position, you know. But how did this one end up as a Netflix release and not in theaters? Well, first off, it was released in theaters... Outside of North America. Now, Paramount Pictures, (laughs) this is really, really funny. Okay. Paramount Pictures did some test screenings for it and they didn't go very well. So they're basically like, we're concerned that this film is basically too intellectual and too complicated for modern audiences to enjoy. So we're going to basically sell it off to Netflix and try to recoup some of our money. So, in other words, they were scared this movie was too smart for the average moviegoer. And maybe it was maybe it wasn't. It was definitely a deep twisted film. If you guys are into like 80s body horror, and if you don't know the term body horror, it's like I'm just trying to think like um oh, the fly was one. Um what else did we have? Uh Reanimator. So basically those movies that do like really graphic creepy things where people's bodies get twisted and changed up and that kind of stuff. Well that that happens in this. I mean, there's a scene where I don't even know how to explain it but it looks like there's snakes crawling on the inside of the guy's stomach it's so so creepy so basically what happens in this and i'm not going to spoil it but i mean this is this is a a movie you can't really spoil you got to watch it it's an experience yeah the vegetation was very intriguing in annihilation it was it was interesting so you can see in the poster kind of this bluish purple kind of thing that was called the shimmer and of course this is going to sound almost straight out of a stephen king novel but an asteroid strikes earth and some sort of alien life form emerges from it and starts creating this shimmer and it's basically an ever-expanding i don't know how else to explain it but like a translucent force field that you can walk through kind of like a stargate or something and they sent a group of people in to explore it and they all ended up dying So they're like, hey, um, you know, do you want to go and explore this some more? So they do. Now, the thing is, this is the type of movie that everybody says should be made. First off, they're like, we need original films that aren't based on comic books or sequels. Check. We need an intelligent script. Maybe science fiction. Maybe horror. I don't know. Check. And we need a very strong, independent female cast check. Now, the thing is the characters in this actually really were strong, independent women. They weren't just kind of made up strong, independent women. Like, um, what was that latest Netflix movie? We haven't even watched yet. It's like a, um, a spy movie with Jessica Chastain in it. And, you know, to make them look like they're beating up these giant men, they got to do, you know, 18 cuts like they do with Liam Neeson, trying to jump over a fence at 72, that kind of thing. This movie wasn't like that. These were strong military type women who went in there to to you know kick ass and take names and they did a good job and yeah it does uh, liberty all day does have a lot of strong king overtones it kind of has a a feeling to it but it is twisted it's weird it doesn't make a lot of sense the ending is ambiguous it's dark it's foreboding uh it's <laughs> a lot of things i like in a crazy horror science fiction movie it's a hard r There's some really twisted, weird stuff. The bear creature, the sounds it makes. Like I said, the snakes going through Buddy's stomach. Just, you know, the existential dread that comes in this movie where everybody's like... Because I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie. There's a movie from, I want to say it was from the 60s, maybe even the 50s, called The Beach. And it's based on an end-of-the-world novel where the entire world has been decimated by nuclear bombs and the fallout is just spreading. And uh, in Australia is basically the last place that hasn't been touched by this nuclear fallout, but they're there. They know they're eventually going to die. And the entire movie is just them waiting for it. I might've called it the beach. I think it's called on the beach. Sorry guys. And they're just waiting for it to get there. And that's kind of what this, this movie feels like too, because this shimmer is just ever expanding and they don't know how to stop it. They have no way to stop it. It just keeps going and going. And that's kind of the dread that you feel in it. it it's definitely not a happy movie. It's certainly a scary as shit movie. It's a movie that has a you know a bit of a convoluted plot. The guy, the author, or the, the guy that adapted this from the book, he read the book once years prior and then basically adapted it from memory from there. <laughs> uh, Liberty Meat says, "Is Sharknado on this list? It is not." Um, I have a hell of a time with those, uh, what is it, the sci-fi channel movies. I know they try to embrace the cheese. They're just not entertaining. Those mockbusters are just so bad. But we might be able to touch on Sharknado sometime. That would be kind of fun. I don't know. We'll see what we can do. The movie was based on a book, the first book of the Southern Reach trilogy. From what I can understand, it was supposed to be a trilogy of movies. That ain't going to happen it was just absolutely yeah it wasn't bad or it was it, it it didn't reach what the studio wanted to and so they're definitely not going to make any sequels. Liberty all day says um Gregory Peck, Ava Gardner and Fred Astaire on the beach is definitely going on my to watch list. Yeah, it's um it's a great movie. It's a great book, but again, it's almost as de- the book's a little more depressing. Of course, the the movie was made with like 1950s sensibility where they they implied things but they didn't actually show things which is totally fine but it's it's a good film definitely worth watching definitely worth sh- uh searching out and i've had this idea actually um i'd really like to go back and re-watch or do a deep dive into some of these older apocalyptic films so if you guys would be up for that i'd gladly love to do that sometime. Uh, on Ken Cornelius's recommendation, I went back and watched Panic in Year Zero. God damn, that's a good movie. I watched that a few months ago. I forget Becky was away for the day and I had some time to watch it. And yeah, I definitely wanted to... I, I, I took so many notes. I'd love to do a review on it. So if you guys are interested in, I don't know, old-fashioned post-apocalyptic movie reviews, I might just do a couple of those too. I think it'd be fun. And Liberty Meat says... Uh, it was horrible, but gloriously horrible, if you plan for that. I'm, if we're talking about Annihilation, I totally agree. Uh, World War Z, Gracie, that's my daughter, she she said that's... And that is a good one. The book was better, but the movie wasn't bad. And uh, yeah, you're totally right there. Gracie says Sharknado reminds me of Scary Movie. Yes. <laughs> the only thing is, I, <sighs> Scary Movie was intentionally satire, And I'm not so sure that the original Sharknado was supposed to be. I don't know. It was. And Liberty says do it. So maybe we will. Maybe we'll do one a month or one every couple of months. But, yeah, I would love it. Um, And uh, Liberty Meat says, If you want the very worst, horrible, campy, awful movie that's meant to be, Hobo with a Shotgun, Don't Watch with Kids and Have a Drink or Twelve Handy. Yes. Becky and I have watched that. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that was filmed... I want to say Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm pretty sure it was from out there. Don't hold me to it. I got to look it up. But it was, I think it was. And it was okay. It was enjoyable. Uh, Liberty says, World War Z book was so good. Film, not so much. Pretty much all they kept was the name and the zombies. Yeah, I figured that would be a hell of a book to adapt. I mean, there's lots of content in there. But how do you even, how do you do that? I mean, World War Z is basically a book of, a whole bunch of loosely linked stories from around the world. I I mean, they did their best where it's like, hey, let's hop in a plane and fly here and then hop in a plane and fly here and then hop in a plane and fly here. And you're like, uh, you're trying to do the book thing, but it's just not quite doing it. And it was PG-13. It was so good. Yeah, there we go. Becky. Yeah. See, I, my, my brain isn't too crazy. Becky says it was filmed in Halifax and the Trailer Park Boys are in it. So we will have to do a follow up on Hope with a Shotgun sometime. That would be awesome. Uh, Nate says, "I gotta find the asteroid movie on Amazon, man. That movie was horrible, but it was recent. I wouldn't give it one percent. I think I know what that was. Uh, was it Moon? Oh crap, uh, babe or Becky, if you're if you're listening, she just watched it. It's it's made by Roland Emmerich. He's the director of uh, No Greenland was actually pretty good. I think this one is horrible. Moon. I can't. Somebody will remember. Somebody put it in the comments for me, but." Roland Emmerich did 2012. He did Day After Tomorrow. He Moonfall. There you go. Yep, Moonfall. And it was horrible. I loved Greenland. I actually thought it was very enjoyable. I mean, for what it was. You know, Gerard Butler and uh, I can't remember. Uh, Deadpool's girlfriend, uh, wife in the movie there, whatever her name is. And, uh, oh, uh, Nate. Oh, I might have tried to watch that one, too. I remember that. Nope, it was a kid at school and dad is NASA. I don't know. Anyway, but Moonfall, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to watch it. Becky watched it and said it was absolutely not worth it. I I caught the last five minutes with the guy from Game of Thrones in it. I I can't recommend it. And uh, I watched a few reviews on Netflix, on uh, YouTube about the movie, and I think they were probably more entertaining than the movie was supposed to be. Gracie says, Train to Basane is another zombie one. I love that film. Haven't watched a sequel yet because I'm scared it's going to ruin it. But I'm definitely going to do an episode on best zombie films because there's a lot of them out there. And I'll tell you right now, 28 Days Later will be my number one and Dawn of the Dead remake will be my number two. But beyond that, I'll I'll, uh, I'll surprise you. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Josh Sloan. Hey, buddy. It's nice to have you said soundtrack for Annihilation was super freaky. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I saw that they put it out in... Uh, I think they put it on vinyl too, which would be really cool to listen to. I wouldn't mind that a, at all. And Becky said, so disappointed. Patrick Wilson is so much better than Moonfall. Yeah, he's in the, um, what, not Annabelle, but that whole series of movies there. And he's so good in that. Uh, and Liberty says, yeah, there isn't much better than 28 Days Later. Uh, yeah, I, I love that film. It was just a perfect film, made at the perfect time. Just the fact that it was shot on that Handycam Digital, it was the very first movie that uh well the first big budget film that was filmed that way so we're never gonna get a high definition copy of it because it doesn't exist it was filmed on basically the early high definition digital cameras it looked so good there we go gracie says marina backaran i wouldn't remember that that's deadpool's girlfriend She's okay in it. Gerard Butler does what Gerard Butler does, kick ass and take names in the 17 movies that he protects the president. He also does that. And he's basically playing the exact same character in Greenland, but it's a really good film. I it, it's, it's way better than it has any right to be. Uh, he brains a guy with a hammer. That's pretty cool, but I don't want to ruin it. So it, yeah, if you're looking for a good, a good, uh, non-Netflix end of the world movie, Greenland. Yeah, watch it. Really good. Uh Nate says Asteroid Final Impact. Nate, buddy, I think I tried to start watching that one night and it was so god awful bad. It, it was probably an asylum film if you guys ever looked at them, they make a lot of those mockbusters. And basically, they'll have one or two low budget CGIs and then the rest of the film is people sitting around talking. Or something like that. Becky says Gerard Butler has student loans to pay off. It's kind of like Nick Cage or uh well, yeah, we'll say Nick Cage for now, basically making everything because he owes money to the IRS. But yeah, so that's a long ways around to say if you're into this kind of stuff, watch Annihilation. It is good. Uh, as far as horror sci-fi goes, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's definitely worth watching. Liberty Meat says the Blair Witch of Zombie movies. Yes, I can see that low budget except it had a killer director. Silent Hill. I love Silent Hill. Oh, man, the whole frigging family's in here. I got Mac Daddy. That's my son as well. Nice to have you, bud. And uh, yeah, Josh Sloan said Silent Hill. That is, yeah, that movie's really good, actually. It's one of the better video game to movie adaptations. And there, (laughs) you could count on one hand how few (laughs) good ones those are. Okay, so my number one favorite, Guilty Pleasure, End of the World, Netflix film, Is one you've never heard of Cargo, I'm guessing. Now, if anybody has seen it, let me know. It is a fucking incredible movie. Um, Martin Freeman is the main actor in it. Uh, he plays one of those agents in I think he's one of the agents of Shield or something along those lines in the Marvel movies, but he is just a knockdown drag out actor. He plays the everyman like nobody's business. So it was released May 2018 on Netflix, rated TV MA, which is the TV rating equivalent of an R rating. So that's great. It has an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it has everything that I love about movies, everything that I loved in the 90s that got me into film. It, <laughs> Becky said, uh, I'll give you this one. It was kind of slow, though. And that's okay. It's a slow burn. So it takes place in Australia and a lot of the films I loved in the 90s were either British or Australian films. There's just something about it. So it takes place in Australia. It's what I call a small film. And what I mean by that is it basically takes place. He was Bilbo Baggins. A small film is either, you know, the type that takes place in one room or surrounding one or two people, the whole film. It's a quiet film it's similar to the road in as much that it's a father trying to look after his daughter or kid and go on a road trip while doing it. Uh, it's seriously bleak. You can tell just by the poster. It's It's got that brownish look. It was filmed in the outback of Australia, which totally helps the um, the feel of the movie. Now, that hand there kind of gives away that it's a zombie film. Which is really sad because I think that would have been kind of fun surprise, but it it is what it is. Um, yeah, uh, here we go. And uh, J.S. says Dark City was cool. I friggin love Dark City. I actually have that on one of my lists in my phone for other. I'll get that on a list at some point because I friggin love Dark City. It's '90s. It's it's quiet. It's slow. Uh, Becky doesn't love it. We almost had a chance to go see it last summer at a theater that was playing it on the old uh, 70 millimeter print. I would have loved to have seen it on film, but we just didn't get there. Um, And the British version of Jim from the original office. Good call, Mac. I forgot about that. So I'll tell you a little bit about the plot. I'm not giving it away. It's shown in the trailer, so you won't miss out. Martin Freeman plays the um, father of a very young daughter. And basically, early, early on in the film, he gets bit by a zombie or infected. And the entire movie is him knowing that he's going to turn in a day or two. And he just, he has nobody. His I believe his wife died early on. And he basically spends the entire time walking the outback, looking for somebody to look after his daughter. It's basically the road meets the road warrior. And it is, it's awesome. I love it. Uh, Martin Freeman puts on an acting clinic. It is definitely slow. It's a slow burn, but I enjoy it. Like It was just so, so good. Uh, it was based, this is a cool little piece of trivia. It was based on a seven minute short film from 2013 <laughs> with the same name, Cargo. So they love the premise so much, they decided to turn it into a feature length film. And I don't think it suffers for that at all. And uh, Gracie says it's like a sad horror thriller. That's exactly what it is. Absolutely. It's a, yeah. I mean, it's not quite as depressing as the road, but it's definitely in there for sure. Uh, Rob, DGAF says dark city is a classic. Absolutely. Aeon flux. I'm not sure if I've ever seen that. I think that's got Charlize Theron in it. I don't know. Becky and I might've watched it one time and JS says Brazil is a classic. I haven't seen or even heard of that. I don't know how I'm missing out. I got to check it out. Uh, but this, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for, it's not popcorn fair, let's put it that way. This isn't the type of movie that you sit down and play on your phone and, you know, chat with your significant other or, you know, do the laundry or whatever and watch. This is a movie that really requires some attention and it's going to suck you in. And it's just, it's an all round great film. Like I said, I, I grew up on the the British and the Australian kind of indie films. And this one definitely felt like that. It was the first Australian original Netflix film, which was kind of cool. I couldn't really find out a whole lot as to why Netflix ended up with it uh, because this was early on. This was 2018, this was just when they were really getting into the feature-length game, but yeah, it was a Netflix original, paid for, financed by Netflix, out of Australia, and yeah, it was great. Like I said, Martin Freeman plays the everyman incredibly well. He plays that desperate, He, look, he he's like the guy, I don't know, he kind of reminds me of the guy from uh, Falling Down, He's like, just kind of an everyday office guy that's just had enough and been put to his limit. And he's like, Freg, I just got to do it. And I mean, he's literally spending the last moments of his life to protect his daughter. And of course, they run into crazy people and, you know, killers and other zombies. And, you know, it just follows traditional zombie fare. Like, there's a time when they need to go inside of a capsized boat. And there's jump scares but overall it's just a slow burn yeah gritty post-apocalyptic that's exactly what it is for sure uh oh terry okay so josh sloan says brazil was a dystopian comedy by terry gilliam that's terry gilliam from monty python i'm guessing and if you say dystopian and comedy in the same i'm in i gotta check that out and uh Nate says, wasn't Gravity have a major event on Earth? I remember that being halfway decent. Yeah, I want to say maybe. I can't remember. That was the one with Sandra Bullock as well, wasn't it? And what else we got here? Ultra-Violent, uh, Ultra-violent was a weird movie, not zombie, but it had vi- uh, vampires. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I'll, I'll have to go back and check that out. But I'm excited to try Brazil. I know I won't be able to get Becky to watch that, so I'll have to watch it sometime when she's not around because – Yeah, it's just not her cup of tea. I can guarantee it. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, if you only have one film on here to watch, I I would say Cargo would be the one. And if you've got two to watch, go with Cargo and Annihilation. And then the other four you can put in a hat and pick because, yeah, How It Ends was probably the best of the bottom four. But, really, there wasn't a whole lot to pick from with Netflix. They're just okay Like I said, most Netflix movies are just kind of the, I don't even know how to put it, like the, you know, kind of the, it could be like a Diet Coke or something. It it doesn't do anything for you. You just, you consume it when you're done. You're like, meh, it was all right. But these top two, they stuck with you, especially Cargo. You feel his pain. You just, you, you always play that, especially when you, you know, you have kids. You're like, well, what would I do if I was bit by a zombie? And I had to basically spend my last couple of days trying to figure out how to keep my daughter safe. And the thing is, he doesn't have any good options. That's what really sucks about it. You're, you're watching it and you're like, oh, no matter what happens, even the best scenario, there's so little known. There's so many unknowns that even if he, you know, because you know, he's going to die, even if he does die, I mean, he only knows she's safe for the next hour or whatever, right? It, yeah. But it, yeah, it's good. Uh, let's see, we got a whole bunch of stuff coming up here, Uh, Liberty says, for gritty post-apocalyptic futuristic, you really have to start out with the series Serenity and Firefly, if you like Star Wars it's like if Star Wars was a western I've never watched Firefly or Serenity, but I have heard incredible things about it, I know it was uh, Josh Whedon that did it, and it's always at the top of the list there's that and Jericho that are at the list of movies or TV shows that were cancelled too soon, the only thing that saved Jericho was that it got that Uh, abbreviated final six episode season, but yeah, uh, let's see, what else we got, JS says, I love Annihilation, great film, Liberty All Day says, I love vampire films, werewolves haven't done very well outside of the Underworld series, yeah, and even though it's got pretty bad, um, (laughs) I'm trying to think of a decent werewolf movie, Uh, what is the movie there, I think there's the Canadian one, there's two or three of them, believe the girls turn into werewolves in there, I can't remember that, it's not great, Becky's watched them, Um, yeah, anyway, Uh, Serenity, oh, Fido, Fido is not bad, not bad at all, Um, oh, hi, Arizona, we got Arizona Renaissance Man in here, great TV series on DVD is Jericho, not sure if it's on Netflix, it was, and now I don't think it is, it was definitely just, yeah, I, Jericho is probably my, Ginger Snaps, thank you, Hun, uh, Ginger Snaps is the, uh, the werewolf Canadian film. It's not bad. The first one's pretty good. We went back and rewatched one or two of them recently and they were pretty good. I definitely offended Letty Lou somehow. I'm not even sure what I did. So I apologize for offending you, Letty. Uh, definitely. <laughs> oh, Twilight is just a horrible series that should have never been made. They make a mockery of both vampires and werewolves. Yeah. I, that was a half a thought I didn't finish. I was going to say that, uh, Twilight didn't do a very good job with, <laughs> with, well, they didn't do a good job with vampires and they certainly didn't do a good job with werewolves, did they? Uh, Max says American Werewolf in London, definitely a classic. Uh, and yeah, so talking about Resident Evil, I don't know if you guys saw, but this summer, actually coming up really soon, Netflix has a um, a series coming up on Resident Evil. And I saw the trailer the other day and let's say I'm cautiously optimistic Because the movie they released recently, I guess, was one of my favorite sayings. Hot dog shit. It wasn't very good. But this one was, uh, yeah, apparently looks like it could be really, really good. And Liberty Meat says, one of my favorites of all time. I believe we are talking about... uh, Oh, oh, he's saying Serenity there, I believe. Oh, yeah, and Equilibrium. There's another one you guys might not have uh, seen. But it's really good. Uh, Equilibrium is like... They treat guns like... Kung Fu or martial arts. It's really, yeah, it's not bad at all. Christian Bale's in it and it's really good. Oh, Troats Adventure, you just showed up. Sorry. (laughs) We're just talking about post apocalyptic shit hit the fan movies from Netflix. But if you've got a favorite you want to throw up and discuss, absolutely. So yeah, Becky says, I am Legend is my favorite still. I'm sure the statute of limitations is off on this, but I got to tell you, I am Legend was probably the best download I ever made from. Uh, what was it? Uh, BitTorrent. I was using, I've used BitTorrent since like 2005. So I hopefully I'm okay with this, but I remember at Christmas it had just come out in theaters. It only been out for like two or three days. And I found (laughs) a DVD quality rip on BitTorrent and we sat down and watched it and we fell in love with that film. Just loved. I am legend. Um, you know, the alternative ending makes it as good or better. The zombie, not zombie, whatever you want. They're what basically vampire type things, the effects on them aren't great, but it doesn't matter. Will Smith love him or hate him. That man can act. And he puts on an acting clinic in that film. He just goes and goes and goes. And he basically carries that two hour film by himself, having discussions when what he does, the Shrek voices and everything. And he just, he kind of plays this guy. That's just a little bit unhinged. It kind of sucks that he's taken so many bad roles recently because Man, he, he had a string of awesome movies, but I Am Legend was so friggin' good. And world building, that I love when they take the time to just really create a post-apocalyptic wasteland in New York City. And, and then they just kind of pepper in these flashbacks that show how the story started. And it gives, you know, it does that, like, what, th- three-minute news clip at the beginning that gives you all that exposition dump that you need to tell the story, but it doesn't feel like it's beating you over the head with it. It's just, oh, it's such a perfect movie. And is max saying that it's getting a sequel? I hadn't, if it is, I don't know. I guess we'll go with that. Um, let's see. Uh, Liberty meat says I have 37 different zombie plans where I surge. And in the 37th plan, I knowingly infect myself with the zombie virus just so I can devour you. Oh boy. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, and Liberty All Day says, Don't forget his dog. Yeah, his dog's awesome. I love his dog. And you always know, right? You just you just know when there's a dog in the movie, you know what's gonna happen, and it makes it doesn't matter, it doesn't make it any better. But that movie's awesome. I, I everything about it, it's just so good. Yeah, He, he's perfect. Um, we'll have to I don't even know how to where that'll fit. Oh boy, look at this. We got some idiot in here. Let's ban him. All right, block user, fuck off and leave. There we go. Let's see what happens. I'm sure they'll show up again. Um, yeah. Uh, who else we got? Oh, get rid of you again. Block user Liberty meat says in, in uh, Nope. Zombies. I had a good one here. There we go. Trots adventure demolition man or the running man are good ones. I don't have Netflix, unfortunately. So not sure if it's on there. No big deal. Demolition man is friggin' awesome. It is so cheesy, but it's so, so good. I love that film. Uh, If anybody can explain the three seashells to me, I would be happy to um, (laughs) give you a shout out because it's definitely um, an interesting premise. It's got a young Sandra Bullock in it that plays this kind of ditzy, rose-colored glass type person, and the whole interaction of Sly Stallone with uh, Wesley Snipes is just perfect. The movie is just early 90s action cheese, but it's great. And The Running Man, so The Running Man is good. Uh, you guys obviously know I'm a Stephen King fan. I love his books. The book is way better and the movie has almost nothing to do with the book, but that's okay. It's still a great movie. Basically anything Arnold Schwarzenegger made in the eighties, I could sit down and watch all day, every day. And the running man is great. It's just so typical Arnold and that whole dystopian look to the future. And it's got, um, the, the old host from Family Feud is hosting it. And you know, a lot of what they talk about has almost come true today, which is kind of cool. Uh, I, I love it. Like it it's a fun film to go back and watch for sure. Uh oh, thanks, Liberty. She reported and blocked that person. Um, it's almost getting to the point where I might have to have an I don't can you have admin or um yeah, I guess they're admins or somebody that can um moderator. I don't know if you can have moderators for this or not. Uh so Becky says, Love the running man. Um Gracie says, when you guys drove through the first Walking Dead episode on your vacation, that was awesome. Like the exact same road it was filmed on is so cool. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, They are... Okay, if you guys have watched or um, if anybody is video gamers right now, they are filming The Last of Us in Calgary here in Alberta. And what's come out of it so far absolutely looks like it's going to be good. Again, I'm cautiously optimistic because I've seen channels ruin things really well but it is an HBO feature and it looks pretty um faithful to the source material and some of the pictures that I've seen people have posted on Facebook of all the different um I don't like just the post-apocalyptic wasteland they've created down in Calgary it looks friggin awesome I'm excited I'm gonna you know we'll be like that oh yeah we know that spot or this spot it will be pretty cool uh, Martinson family says, uh, it always sucks when the dog dies, the people. Yeah. Because people suck. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we always joke back, you know, I always had a joke where it's like, you know, a hundred people could, could get shot and killed and nobody would care. But as soon as a horse or a dog gets hurt in a movie, everybody loses their shit. And I get it. it makes me sad. And yes, the restaurant wars, Liberty meat. Here's an interesting piece of, um, trivia. So you guys, everybody, if you guys remember, The restaurant that won the restaurant wars in uh, the movie, there, um, (laughs) Demolition Man, it was Taco Bell, right? Everybody remembers Taco Bell. Now, one night, Becky and I are watching it, and they don't say Taco Bell, they say Pizza Hut. And I'm like, what the hell? It's always been Taco Bell. Now, you watch the movie, and it's always been Taco Bell, and all of a sudden it said Pizza Hut. And I had to look it up. I'm like, nope, I'm drunk. I didn't really see that. So apparently, they figured outside of North America, audiences would not know what Taco Bell was. So even way back in 1993, they edited over what he said, uh, you know, uh, did ADR for the, the voice, and they cut out the Taco Bell logos and superimposed Pizza Hut logos on there. So that is a pretty cool, interesting little tidbit that I didn't know for 25 years after the movie came out. Uh, Liberty says you can have admins, moderators on here. Not sure how they work though. I've seen them on Ryan Hall, y'all, when he does his weather live streams. Well, I'll have to figure that out. Uh, Oh yeah. And this is one of Becky's favorite shows and it's really good. Um, Handmaid's Tale. If you guys haven't seen it, you know, it definitely gets um, a little heavy handed with the politics, but it is yeah, again, I hate to say it is what it is, but it's pretty hard to find a show that isn't a little bit woke at this point. But it it's really good. Uh it, like really, really good. Elizabeth Moss, she's awesome. I mean, she plays that kind of wounded but strong woman, and she just yeah, she has the attitude to go with it. Yeah, it's just really good. If you haven't watched it, it's worth watching, but be careful, it's addictive. I think there's four or five seasons now. Really good. Uh <laughs> here we go. So we have a couple of different theories on what the three seashells sea are. Josh Sloan says, the three seashells are a mysterious set of seashells sea- sea which have replaced toilet tissue in the 1993 science fiction action film, Demolition Man. Yes, it didn't tell us much, but it's very, very true. Uh, and so Arizona Renaissance says, the three seashells were soap, rinse, and dry, is my, my best guess. I'll go with that. Aaron loves Handmaid's Tale. Um And Liberty All Day says, Handmaid's Tale lost a script in season two. I enjoyed season one, though. Pretty close to the book. Yeah, definitely that kind of happens. And uh, Nate is not wrong here. He says it's a very dark show showing both sides of the aisle. Absolutely. Um, It was obviously it was made during the height of Trump's run as president. And they definitely were pretty heavy handed on the right wing side of things. But at the same time, there were some left-wing nut jobs in there as well, and of course they escaped to wonderful Canada. And well, you know that's kind of the bastion of freedom. I don't know if I would say that about us, but it's definitely worth. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I would pop in and watch an episode or two with Becky, and then she'd fill me in on the rest, and I'd watch a few more, and it was pretty good. Yeah, do you guys have? If um, you have any other suggestions for movies to throw up here, um, I'm always looking. Like I'm gonna, I've got. I could show you, but I can't bring it up right now anyway. But I have got all kinds of lists I've been putting together. Whenever I start thinking of one, I just put it down. So i probably got enough content for five or more, five or six more of these list movie episodes. And then if we want to do a deep dive into some of these old films, I think that would be kind of fun too. We could even do a watch party. I thought about that where we'd probably have to do it over on float because if we do it on, um, YouTube, we'd probably get shut down for copyright infringement, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, Grace says Us. Yeah, Us wasn't too bad. I like Get Out a lot. I liked Us a bit. It's not bad, and he has, um, Jordan Peel has another, um, African-American horror movie coming out right away, and it looks creepy. I don't know. You know those wacky waving arm inflatable men that they have on Family Guy? Well, somehow he manages to make them look creepy in the new trailer, so if you haven't seen the trailer, go watch it, and, uh, Nate says, yep, it's like the right moved in with the communists. Absolutely. And Hereditary? Oh, yeah, Hereditary. Ooh, that's uh, that's not for everybody, but that is one of the scariest, grossest, darkest horror movies I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, who knew that a telephone pole could be that deadly? That's all I can say. Uh, <laughs> Liberty Meat says, you use two seashells as pinchers to scrape and clean yourself and the third to clean your fingernails. I think that's the winner. I'm going to go with that one, Liberty Meat. Um, that, that's just gross enough that it sounds like something they would do in the future, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, that one wins for me. I Whenever I thought of seashells, I just thought of those decorative soaps that every one of my aunts had in the 80s, you know? Every bathroom had like um, a Kleenex cover that was made out of crochet, and they had these decorative soaps that you never touch that were in the shape of clamshells or scallop shells or something like that. And that's what I always thought of. I don't know. And was it, uh, um, Cheryl Crow that said she used what, one piece of toilet paper, put the hole in the middle and do your business and then use the little piece that you tore off for the hole to clean under your fingernails. So that works for me. All right, guys, that's an hour and 15. This was a great friggin' episode. You guys know I can talk all friggin' night about, uh, movies. Absolutely. Um, Josh says 1984, um, Yeah, I'm I'm thinking we're talking about the, unfortunately, the movie, the book, all seems to be coming just a little too true, right? Uh, Liberty All Day says those stinky seashell soaps. Lord forbid you use one. I know. And my mom had towels that you never used either. Like they were just decorative towels. I don't know why they were there, but everybody had decorative everything in the bathroom in the 80s. And oh, it was just awful. (laughs) So yeah, uh, one other thing to throw it at you if you guys are listening For some reason, last night's episode has not posted on Apple Podcasts yet, and that's where I get my largest audience by a mile. I don't know what happened, why. It posted everywhere else properly. It seems like some sort of glitch between um, Anchor, where I upload, and their automated system. Not sure, but it will, um, hopefully, when I upload this episode, it'll kick the other one in the ass and get everything working, so... Anyway, if you guys have, like I said, suggestions for other lists you want me to do, I'll gladly do them. Jesus, I would probably do an entire extra movie uh, channel through YouTube if I get away with it, but I just don't have the time. I have the desire, but I'm not going to make the time for it. So one movie video a month is probably what you guys will get. Uh, If you clamor for more, we might get a little more, but yeah, it's exciting. I enjoy it. It's a fun way to tie in my prepping with my love of film and something I share with my wife. Dearly, we love to watch our movies, and it's fun to sit down and chat about them. There's something about fiction that's a good escape, right? So, where can you find me this week? What do I have coming up? Hmm, uh, so Wednesday for sure, I will be on the after party, and I think there's going to be a special Preppers Live on Prepper Broadcast Network because we just hit 1 million downloads, which I think is pretty friggin' awesome over there. That makes me excited. Uh, Thursday, I'll have a preparedness episode. And of course, everyone knows what's coming up on Friday, angry American 12 noon, please get the word out on social media. I said, it's going to be big for our channel, for our community. I'm super excited. Hopefully I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it sure would be nice if we get a, uh, could develop a good relationship with him and maybe we could get him back down the road after we've made it through four or five of the books in the book club. Uh, I don't know. I would just love it. It would be awesome. I think it'd be great for us um yeah beyond that we've got so many good guests coming up I'm excited but we won't spill the beans on a lot of them but anyway guys that's it for me this week or at least tonight you guys will see lots of me this week but as always stay happy stay healthy and have a great week